Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Y'all are doing great with your clapping today. How many of you are ready for the word? Yeah. I'm excited. Say, say this with me. Jesus has something for me. Now that you know what we're going to say, let's say it again. Jesus has something for me. I have a conviction. It is amazing on this Labor Day weekend, y'all decided to come worship Jesus with us. If this is your first time, we want to welcome you. We, we believe that you can leave here today. Every time we gather, we gather for one purpose, to, to experience Jesus, to encounter Jesus and to be changed by him. There's never a time when we encounter Jesus, he doesn't change us. Amen? Anytime we come into the presence of the person of Jesus, something changes. Sometimes it's gradual. We can't always see it. It doesn't mean that once you leave, every situation and circumstance can be fixed. But it does mean that as we put our trust in him, he makes way for way for things that are impossible. So last week, Pastor Marcus, how many of you were here last week when he spoke on prayer? Didn't he do a great job? Yeah, so good. He spoke on prayer, and um, he spoke on prayer being relationship, and he defined it for us. It should be a slide there that kind of gives definition for what Pastor Marcus gave last week. It should be the first slide. It says this, prayer is relationship, dialogue, communion, and fellowship with the one you were created by and created for. So he gave us a real simple, tangible, touchable, grabbable definition for prayer. And for many of us, prayer has been um, for a long time about a list, right? You get your prayer list, pray your prayer list, say your prayer list, command, whatever. Proclaim your prayer list, and that's good. But we want to root us in prayer is about a relationship. We don't just want to say words to a person we're disconnected from. We want to be connected to the person we're praying to. And, and so we wanted to take a few weeks just to give you some context around when you come into the place of prayer and even prayer being a pillar here of the house and creating the Lord a habitation. I encourage all of you to come to the conference, Habitation Conference in September 16th, 17th, 18th. It's going to be incredible, but I believe God is going to mark people with this. this listen, this is important that we would get God's conviction for a people on the earth. That we're not just going through life. Some of you, you have all different responsibilities. You own businesses. You work great jobs. God's good with all of that. But he wants to create in you a conviction that you were created for him and by him and for him. Do you hear me? And so I want to take a few moments today and talk about engaging with God. What does it look like to engage with God? If prayer is a relationship and if we were made for relationship to dialogue, to commune, how do we engage with God? How many of you know that God wants to engage with you? That's why we spent 45 minutes singing about the sea of glass mingled with fire. It's very purposeful sometimes sitting us in an environment where it's uncomfortable. Why are we singing the same freaking songs for 45 minutes, bro? Like, we get it. He's got eyes of fire, and they're burning. We got it. Burning, 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 you know. Because there's something about making you uncomfortable in an environment where you don't get wrapped up in a song, particularly about you. Man, you know how hard it is to find a worship song nowadays that's not about you? <laughs> like everything is centered. It is a me society. Tell me how this is going to bless me. Should I give my time? But what's the return on my investment? The return on your investment is Jesus. <laughs> it's encountering him. It's him becoming the great reward. And so we want to sing songs and we want to become familiar with him. Even, even scripturally. That's a, that is a scripturally based song. You're singing about something that is actually happening. Where there is actually a God on the throne. Who, who we can try to comprehend, the Bible gives language, but he is so far above. He's greater, he's bigger, he's stronger. Your mind cannot fully comprehend, but we can get little measures of breakthrough. There's these little measures of, oh my gosh, your heart comes alive when it's like, oh yeah, I, they, God really is bigger than my box. And so we want to engage with this God. How many of you guys want that? I want to engage with this God. And, and so Marcus taught us about a God who hears you and a God who wants to be heard. But, it, but that's where it starts, right? This all starts, you engaging with God, all starts with you believing that God wants to engage with you. There's a belief there that God is not this distant, disconnected, disinterested person up in the sky who created, but it's just kind of like meandering around what's happening. This is a God who is all in. He is a God who, you, listen, we serve a God who longs to be encountered. Do you hear me? I need you to get this conviction. If this is your first time at Abide, and you're like, I don't get it. Why the long? Because we believe that there is a God who longs to encounter his people. He is not disinterested. He's not distant. So every morning, every evening, every morning, noon, and night, there is an invitation set before you to come before the Father. Yeah. To engage with him at a heart level. 
for him to share his secrets with you. And he's not a recluse. I just want to break this on the beginning. That there's this God on this throne that's completely separate. Who he's like, well, he's so far beyond. He's, he's so far removed from us that he's not in. He is interested in the intricate details of your life. And we're going to read through Psalms 139 so you can see it. But I want to start with breaking this ideology that you serve this, this God on the throne with a big white beard who wants nothing to do with you but to judge you. This is not God. This is a God who is intimate. He's personal. That's why Jesus said, this is eternal life. To what? To know me. To come into intimate relationship with me. So this is the great plan of, of the Trinity. That you, by the Holy Spirit, would be led to the person of Jesus. And that he would reveal the person of Jesus, not just one time. Not just through a message, but that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you through the scriptures, through your time of worship, through your journaling, through all of it. The person of Jesus would be revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Because as you see Jesus, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so it becomes this, this, this pathway of knowing God. Of completely God being available to you as much as, listen, we, we sung about it today and we talked about the burning bush. How Moses was walking about his way and then there's this bush that is on fire but it is not consumed. But how many of you know it took Moses, it took Moses turning aside to recognize that God was in the midst. And for so many of us, we're like, well, God, if God, well, where is God? We're so consumed with busyness and barrenness and doing that we would not recognize the burning bush if it was right in front of us. Because we have not an inkling of, of idle time or of connection. So I'm saying we've got to fight for this. And it starts with the conviction, God wants to know me. Say it, God wants to know me. We want to disciple you in this. We want you to understand, to have a conviction. God wants to know us. He, and this is why he gives us this invitation again and again in the scriptures. You will hear it. Seek me. Seek me. Seek me. Draw near to me. Seek me. Come. Seek me. Draw near. It's this, all the language is leading to the same road. Come to me. I long to be with you. So just a few scriptures. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence. How long? It's not a trick question. It's there. Yeah, that's the right word. Seek his presence continually. That it would be a continual. Like how many of you know when you're in your car, he's available. When you're at work, when you're on the computer and that person's cussing you out, he's available. Me and my wife, we say this, we don't really fight, but we do have intense fellowships. He's there. He's there. He's available. He's a, he, like, what I want you to see is in every situation, circumstance, everywhere you find yourself, there he is. Everywhere you are, there he is. And so there's a turning of heart where it's like, God, I'm not going to invite you to certain parts of my life. I'm not just going to mark off certain parts of my life and certain non-parts of my life. You have access to me on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, but, but everything other than that, I got my work life, I have my kid life, my family life, then I have my spiritual life. You know, in the Bible, there's really no word for spiritual because to deem something spiritual would be to deem something else unspiritual. And the reason you can't find it is because as you walk with Jesus, everything becomes spiritual. The way I love my kids, the way I serve my job, the way I treat the people under me and over me, the way that I honor, all of it is spiritual. And in Revelation 3.20, it says this, Behold, say behold. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and he opens the door, I will come into him and he with him and he with me. From the beginning to the end, you see in the garden, he's there. At the end, he's knocking. Revelation 20, he comes back on a horse. And he's coming for a people, for a bride. Say for you, it's for me. Say me. It's you. It's who he's coming for. So from the beginning to the end, you can see there is a God who wants you. And I'm telling you, some of you, you walked in today and it's been a tough season. You've been trying, you've been coming, you've been singing, you got the jig during worship, but your heart feels disconnected. You can't engage with the scriptures. You feel tired. You feel like you don't belong anywhere. And I believe God wants to break this off of you. How many of you can, listen, God wants to break this off of you. This is not God's plan for you. It's not. And I want to give you a scriptural basis for this. For, for the intentionality of the person of Jesus. And then I want to talk to you about why you can't connect with him in this way. Is that okay? Yeah. So I just want to say this for you. We must stop going our own way. We have to. If God is shepherd and we are his sheep, he sets the trajectory for our lives. 
We have to stop wandering. We have to stop going our own way. And we need God to break the veil off. We need him to help us see things for what they really are. Listen, make no mistake, there is an agenda. God has an agenda and the enemy has an agenda. There's always an agenda. When you sit on the TV, it's not just commercials playing in front. There's an agenda. When you watch the TV show, when you listen to that song, there's always an agenda. Good, bad, or indifferent. When there's a Christian song playing, when they wrote that song, there was an agenda. And so when we come, even during worship, the reason we sing the songs we sing, the reason we worship the way we, it's because there's an agenda. Because God tells us that as we fix our eyes on him, as we behold him like in a mirror, we become more like him. Therefore, the veil has been separated. And as we behold him, we become more like him. This is the scriptures. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. We're like, I don't know the song. I don't know, I don't know what's the right, when should I jump, when should I not? Why are they so aggressive? Why, what are they throwing at each other on the stage? There's so many things happening. And in the midst of that, I just want to stop and say, it's about him. It's about him. The songs are about him. The motions are for him. The laying, the tear, it's all him. It's all for him. And so God has an agenda for you. In John 10, 10, Jesus is speaking about a shepherd and sheep. And then he talks about the agenda. And I want to kind of hone in on here for a second. And I want you to see that there are two agendas. John 10, 10, I want to read it to you. It says this. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come. Say, come. He came. He, he has come. He is available. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly or an overflow or more than enough. There are two agendas. The enemy's agenda for you is to rob, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the, the agenda of God is to give you life in abundance. It's available for you here. And some of you are waiting for like the rapture, whatever end time theology you have, you're waiting for that to have abundance. I want to say to you this morning on this Labor Day weekend, there is more available for you now. God has, listen, there's always greater measure. There's going to be nothing greater than when you are standing before your king. Nothing. All of the things you're laboring for and you're giving your heart to, Paul says, it is all rubbish. I've counted it all rubbish. All I want to do is I want to know him. That's what he says. But in the here, in the now, in the midst of trials and tribulations and difficulties, let's not play games. Life can be hard. Amen? Life can be hard. People can be difficult. And sometimes it's not demons. Sometimes it's just life. But in the midst of that, if we ground ourselves scripturally in the narrative of Jesus, he says, I have come to give you life in abundance. The question has to be, how do we access this? How do we access this abundant life? How do we live in the overflow of God? I'm a firm believer that God's presence is continually pouring out. God is good and he never withholds. He's pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. And then it's like more and more. He's pouring. This is our God. And so if we're not receiving, there has to be some kind of a block. But I just want to say this. God has given us the ability to access. And I believe the principal way, there's a path, right? And it starts with this, Thanksgiving. In a world that has taught us you need more, a mass more, a crew more, and what you have is not enough, there's this pathway that God has given us. We enter into his gates with Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There is a progression to come into the presence of God. And make no mistake, there is no overflow, abundant, or more than enough without the presence of Jesus. It's all about stepping into the more of God, but it starts with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving becomes the hinge that opens up the door for you to step in. And it's you being aware, you recognizing, and being, and being in, um, there is an awareness of what God has done for you. This is a muscle. This isn't something that just happens. This is you making a decision. When I wake up in the morning, I'm not going to put before God what I don't have. I'm not going to accuse God because he hasn't done things my way. How many of you have been there? Just me. Okay, I'm the only one. I know God has spoken to me before, and I have an idea of how I think I should, it should all play out. And then when it doesn't play out the way I thought it should play out, now I'm offended with God. Now all of a sudden, God's not good. But I'm telling you, there's something about thankfulness. God, I thank you. 
You remember, God, I thank you when you healed my family. I thank you when we lost two kids and we thought we were going to lose a third, but you spoke life over Judah and he came. I remember in my little Mazda 626 when my wife was depressed on I don't know how many milligrams and I said, no more, we're going to pray and God healed her. I remember when he spoke to us as missionaries and we had no money, but God provided at the last hour. How many of you know he's a, he's a last hour God? <laughs> last hour. My goodness. I remember. And as you remember and you anchor yourself, Pastor Tyler is one of the best that I've seen do this, even in worship. He anchors us in what God has done. We're not trying to attain connectivity. We're not working for connection with God. We start from connection. Every bit of disconnection is because we don't remember. We have forgotten. So many things have happened. And then as you begin to give yourself to those things and those accusations against God and against people, you begin to let unthankfulness, it's bitterness, it's resentment. But thankfulness begins to open the door. And as you open the door of thankfulness, God, I thank you for providing. I thank you that when I come into a room, you are there. <laughs> You're, you are available. When we come into a room, you are there. I thank you, God, that I get to go to a church on a Sunday and I'm not persecuted for it. I don't have to hide. I don't have to travel hours to get, I just get to, there's air conditioning here. Praise God. It's not that great, but it's here. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> and that thankfulness, what it does is it steps us into praise. Yeah, it's, like, it's like the hinge opens the door and we step into it. And it's like, oh, wow. Now that I've become aware of what he's done, I'm starting to become familiar with who he is. Do you see this? And this creates a stability in you because you begin to think, and I thank you, God, that even though my kids are in a difficult season right now, praise God, I want to pin them against the wall. You've been faithful. <laughs> And you are a faithful father. And you, and you step into praise where it's not like, God, I thank you for providing. It's like, oh, you are provider. I may be in a season where I need physical healing, but I'm not going to accuse you because it happens yet. Because I remember when you healed my wife. Therefore, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are, you are healer. <laughs> Do you see this? This is the pathway. I begin to become aware of what he's done, which steps me into who he is. And so I'm not going to wait for a pastor to give me a revelation. I'm going to pull on my history with God. I'm going to pull. I'm like, I'm going to build a history with him in this secret place and in contending. And I'm going to remember, this is why I journal. I got journals from 2010 where we're li I'm living today in things I asked God for then. How I many of you know when you, weak, you read those little weak prayers from like two, two-year-old saved Geo? God, please use me, please. <laughs> you know, like, please, I'm so weak. <laughs> so weak and then God begins to take you on this journey and as you begin to feast on his faithfulness this is what I'm talking about don't make no mistake there's always a table before you there's a table of discouragement accusation all God hasn't done but you can come to his table he says I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies it's like the accusers are there but they can't touch you they have to watch you feast on God So praise is a recognition of who he is. God, you are healer, provider. You are constant. You are steadfast. This stabilizes you. Double-mindedness is the fruit of you forgetting who God is. It says a, dou a double-minded man is unstable in how many of his ways? All his ways. And in this lack of stability and you being tossed to and fro, I don't belong there. Nobody cares about me. I don't want to engage with God in that way. That instability is because you've forgotten. And I just want to say for you today, there's healing. Say there's healing. This is not condemnation, bro. Everybody's at risk of this. Nobody's above this. We've all gone through seasons where we forget. But in the midst of this, God's like, will you remember what I've done so you can step into who I am? And as you step into who he is, you begin to engage with the nature. This is, this is the primary ministry of a believer. It is growing in the knowledge of God. Like, what's the primary? Like, I would say this. They're like, what's the highest ministry? Is it to be an apostle or a prophet to prophesy? No. It's how much of God do you really know? Will you give your life to know him? Is he enough? Anybody can burn for Jesus for six months. 
You can go to a conference and get stirred up and for six months, I'm going to change the world, but I want to be around some people 40, 50 years. I'm still burning. Doesn't matter whether I have a microphone or not or if I have an assignment. I want to know him. I want to step into glory. Like there's going to be a day where I step into glory. And many times, many times we talk about hearing that, 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 those words, well done. I love that. I want to hear well done. But there was something that was said about John in the book of John. He's describing himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And even more than hearing well done, I want to hear from him. He loved me. Oh, he loved me. Could you imagine hearing that from him? Think about that. Like you're standing before God and the Father, and then Jesus is like, hey, this one, he loved me. He loved me. It wasn't about a ministry assignment. It wasn't about growing church. Or it wasn't about getting stuff. He, he just, he loved me. He loved me. This kind of love is accessible. It is available to you through getting to know him. You can't love someone you don't know. It's impossible. For those of you that are married, how did you grow in love? You begin to know the person. How did you grow out of love? You stopped getting to know them. You grew in opposites. How many of you know as you grow and you mature and you age, you change? And some of the most dysfunctional relationships, everybody's like, mm. <laughs> are because two people grew, but they grew apart. They didn't grow together. So God, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done. And, and it makes me aware of who you are. And who you are brings me into this realm of worship. And this is the highest, the highest. True worship happens when you understand his worth. Are you alive? This is the pathway. Some of you are going to leave. I don't know. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Start here. Let thankfulness well up in your heart. Begin to praise him. And then step into worship. It's an overflow and abundant life is found in true worship. It's the place where life becomes an offering unto God. Where Paul says, I've given my life as an offering. It was a drink offering unto him. It's where every part of your life becomes an offering unto him. There's nothing withheld from him. And this is where John 10, 10, it begins to flow in the greatest way. And so while God has an agenda, so does the enemy. If God comes to give life in abundance, the enemy comes to, let's say it again, steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to be aware of this agenda. And this robbery happens through partnerships and agreements that build strongholds. See how it gets quiet? <laughs> we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday night school, but it's amazing. Because the enemy, isn't it interesting that when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them a lot of things. There were some things, be fruitful and multiply, but what he never gave them was a strategy for how to, inter, how, to inter, how to intercede or warfare. There was never a warfare strategy against the devil because the enemy was completely disempowered. How was the enemy empowered in the garden? Through what? Agreement. Without agreement there would have been no access to the heart of Adam or Eve. But it was agreement that gave access. And I just want to say, I think it's on the screen. The definition of agreement is this, in Jesus' name. It is the act of agreeing or coming in, into a mutual arrangement. But this is the one I like, B. It is the state of being in one accord. When you get married, you become one. Is that what it says? You become one. That's why there's this continual theme in the Bible where God would tell the people, divorce yourself from them. Because unwilling, it's not, like, it's not like they stood and they said, I therefore take you. No. What God is saying is you've given your heart and you've become one with something that you're not supposed to become one with. And whether we know it or not, there are many things in life that we've come into agreement with. Thought patterns, ways of life, ways of thinking, ideologies about people and about ourselves, about church and about circumstances and about God that we've come into one accord with. And those things, those things, they become strongholds. They become fortifications. I want to define stronghold. And then I want to read Psalm 139. Then we're going to pray and people are going to be touched in Jesus' name. A stronghold is this. The fortification around and defense around what you believe. Especially, say especially. Especially when you are dead wrong. The more wrong you are, the more you sink your feet in. I will not change. I am right. What one does to fortify and defend a personal belief, idea, or opinion against outside opposition. It's a stronghold. There's another definition I want to give you. Um, it should be in there too. 
It is this stronghold or negative patterns of thought which are burned into our minds either through repetition over time or through a one-time traumatic experience. It's the things that we tell ourselves continually. It's the things that people have said over us. For some of us, it's the things that weren't said. There are certain things a mother and a father should say to you. A father is meant to cover, to admonish, to bless, to speak life. There's something about having a father that, that gives you the stability of knowing I belong here. <laughs> I belong here. And these are the things that I want you to just be aware. These are the things the enemy is trying to rob you of. How does the enemy rob, steal, kill, and destroy? He plants a seed. It's just a seed. Just one seed. Maybe when you were seven or eight, one seed that began to be watered by all the discouragement of life. Are you alive? A little bit here, a little bit there. A little bit of lack of father. A little bit of not being covered by mother. And it waters the seed. And before you know it, you have this huge thing that has grown. And then you come into rooms like this. And it doesn't matter what week. You could be the wow. It could be the wow week. Wow. Or it could be the mingled sea of glass week. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what week it is when you walk into this room. You sing songs about this God. And you're like, I just don't feel, I don't feel that. Now the question I want to ask you is, do you believe God wants to withhold from you? Half of you believe that. <laughs> I want to say to you, for those of you that like didn't say anything, God wants to withhold nothing from you. He wants to withhold nothing from you. But I want you to know that these things, listen, it starts with, with, with a seed in the mind. That's why Paul says we cast down every argument, every thought, every idea, and we make it subject. We cast down every stronghold and we make it subject. We make it obedient to Christ. Because if we're not careful and we don't take that seed, that, that negativity, whatever that thought is captive, it begins to affect the way we speak. So now that seed that was planted in the mind, it goes from seed form and it begins to take life because James 3 gives us a whole chapter on the power of our words. And it says that our words are like a rudder on a ship that wherever we direct them, it sets the course for our life. So now the enemy plants a seed, there's discouragement, and that seed begins to grow. And it's not just something that's in your mind. Now you begin to speak it. I don't belong. Nobody cares. Nobody understands. Listen, the tactic of the enemy for you is isolation. Once you're isolated, you are chopped liver. Even in the natural, who does the lion attack? Does he attack the guy in the center of the pack? It's the guy on the outside who's strangling. He's struggling along. And this becomes your life. You begin to come into agreement with the thoughts that the enemy is sowing, and it's robbing you of abundant life. And then you begin to speak. You begin to accuse. Not just God, the people around you. You become offended with other people's worship. I remember something similar to that man when Mary walked into a room and somebody was pouring an extravagant offering at the feet of Jesus and somebody in the room said, we could have done something better with that. You begin to accuse because it is the nature of someone whose heart is not fully given to God to look at somebody else's offering and say, that's too much. We could be discipling, we could be doing outreach, we could, but Jesus said, stop, she has chosen the good part. I beckon you today, man, choose the good part. Choose the good part. It's not that we don't want to do the other things, start with the good part. So you begin to receive thoughts, they become your, your words, and once it becomes your words, how many of you know, what you speak becomes what you see? You're like, well, well, life is just life. No, life isn't just life, life is what you make it. That's why when everybody else was speaking about Goliath, the person who slayed Goliath stepped out with a little sling and a rock and he said, you will fall. Before he ever threw the rock, what did he do to Goliath? He spoke at Goliath. Because there's power in your word. Say amen. amen. We've got to learn this. It's not name it and claim it. It's just partnering with heaven and what he's saying. So I'm not just going to accept any little old thing. Man, in times when I don't want to read my Bible, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. This is daily bread. I'm not going to feed myself on anything else. 
We all go through this, guys. We all go. Man, you think I want to wake up every day? I'm like, oh, yes, Lord. Lamentations is my daily bread. The book of Deuteronomy is really getting me going. I'm just burning. I'm in the book of Ruth right now. I'm like, God, get me into First and Second Samuel. Get me there. I want to read about David. But listen, if we don't learn to like just acknowledge, just acknowledge, God, I acknowledge that there are things in my life that need to be uprooted. And Lord, would you forgive me for the idle words I've spoken over myself? You ever notice that very rarely do you meet a rich person who speaks negatively about money? This is natural wealth, but very rarely do you meet a person who has money who speaks negatively. Let me say it like this, that they have a poverty mentality. Most people who are poor, they have a poor mentality. Because it doesn't just affect your mind, it affects your words. And so if you spend all of your life saying, I'm just going to be broke, I'm never going to have money, I don't know, then you will be broke. <laughs> it's hard. But it's no different spiritually. If you spend all of your life believing you're going to be disconnected from God or that you don't belong in any community, you're never going to fit in. And you begin to keep people at an arm's distance. It's going to be hard for you because this is what God has for you. He has for you a family. Say family. Are you with me? Yeah. What more do I want to say? Can we go to Psalm 139? Are you alive? Yeah. You still love me? Yeah. <laughs> Only half of you. You're hurting my heart. <laughs> Psalm 139. I want to read this. This is the good part. I was going to do this halfway through, but I want to do it at the very end. Because I want to see... I want you to see God's heart for you. This speak of this 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 is so significant. Psalm 139 is broken into four different parts, four stanzas. It's God all powerful, it's God being present, and it's God all powerful. God all knowing, God all knowing, God all present, God all powerful. So I want to read this to you, Psalm 139. If you want to open up your Bible, this is all highlighted in my Bible, man, because it's it's just marked me. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. And you know everything about me. Say, you know me. This is God. Oh God, you have examined my heart and you know me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You see me. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and you go behind me. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. There's so much here. We can go line by line. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Then he says, I can never escape from this. I can never escape from your spirit. There's nowhere I can go to get away. Nowhere I can go to get away. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings, the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the there, your hand will guide me. There, your strength will support me. Your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me. I could ask the darkness to hide me. And the light around the dark comes night. I hide even in the darkness. I cannot hide. To you, the night shines. To you, the night shines as bright as day. in the light of the same darkness in the light of the same You make all the delicate. You make all the delicate inner parts of my body together in my mother's womb. You me together in my mother's womb. knew you before Holly and he knew you before you were born. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Just read over that. God, just read over that. God knew you. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed, as I was woven together, as I was woven together in the dark. You saw me before I was You saw me before I was Every day of my life was recorded. Every day of my life was recorded. Every moment was laid out. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Verse 17. How precious are your thoughts. How precious are your thoughts about me. That's for you. That's for you. How precious. I just want your how precious. I just want your just a moment. You just close your eyes for
I get it, man. I've been in seasons. It's been frustrating. And I believe there's grace for those that have been frustrated. And for some of you, it's not just that God has you in a holding pattern. I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear me today. It's time for you to... I don't know what in means for you. But when you're called, but when you're called, you are called. When you're called, you are called. You can sit on the outside for a certain amount of time and God's going to let you hang. But I'm telling you, there comes a moment where God's like, it's time. You're like, well, I don't feel it. Well, show me in the Bible where we get to follow Jesus only when we feel it. Show me. Show me in the Bible where it's like, when you feel it, come and serve me. Buddha said to Matthew, Matthew, when it feels good, leave the tax collector's booth. Being a disciple of Jesus is just saying, God, I'm going to go. Sometimes it's afraid. Go afraid. I don't want you to go from place to place feeling frustrated. I feel that today. There is a grace to release that to the Lord. But I believe, how many of you know it requires a response sometimes? I remember there was a time, and I'm going to kind of end here with a story. There was a time where we were in Jacksonville. This would have been in the height of Destiny United's intense fellowship. It was, it was rough. We were in Jacksonville. We lived in an apartment where I was... It was so ghetto, I felt compelled to buy a gun. I'm like, I might not ever use it, but it feels good to have it. It was rough. Our rent was $465, if that tells you where we lived. And we were having an intense fellowship. I'm like, I'm done. I'm leaving. I packed a little duffel bag. And I go to, actually, I don't even remember where I went, but Anthony was there. And Anthony, I'm like, Anthony, I'm done. He's like, you love her, bro. You love her. And so the next day we're at a service, and we're in this room, and this lady, Marsha Woolley's there. And she preaches this amazing sermon, but how many of you know when you're frustrated, you ain't even trying to hear all that? Brian ain't even trying to hear all that. I'm just here because I'm on staff. I ain't even trying to hear all that. And at the end of the sermon, she's praying in the Spirit. She's singing in the Spirit. I'm like, bro, can we just be done? She's so happy. Then she goes, hey, I had a vision. And in this vision, there's a married couple in the room. And even last night, you guys got in an intense fellowship. No, she said fight. She said intense fellowship would have been awesome. You guys got in a fight and one of you walked out. And you were like, I'm done. And I knew it was me. I just knew. I'm like, oh, she's talking about me. So I don't care. I really don't care. Like, you got to know this about I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I'm like, she's talking about me. I have no shame. I'm going to respond. But Destiny's on stage and Destiny's in glory. She's like, Bim -bim. It's like, Jesus, I love you. You know, and so I walk up to the front and I'm like staring at her. And I just knew, I'm like, this is our moment. And in front of everyone, 
like she had read our mail and destiny came down. I'll never forget, you remember this, babe? She remarried us in front of everyone. It's like we got remarried right there in that moment. And it was just beautiful, yeah, praise God. But for how many of us, man, God, God creates these moments for us. Like for some of you, you were in the room, in Jesus' name, somebody help. I don't got that kind of rhythm. How many times does God create these environments in the room and because we don't respond, we miss the moment? Like I could have just said, well, Jesus, I know she's talking about me, but I'm just going to stay here and you do what you want to do. But I'll never forget the moment where me and my wife were holding hands. Not just for me and my wife, but everybody saw God rededicating our covenant. And for some of us, I just feel like it's prophetic. God's like, it's a reset time, man. Like, let's throw away the past. Let's move into what God has. You've been chained. And I felt like even prophetically, in Acts 16, there's these two disciples, Paul, I think it's Silas. They're in this prison cell. And they've been chained up for injustice. They casted a demon out of a girl. And they end up in jail. Long story short, they're in jail. But it says at the midnight hour, they were found in their jail cell praying and singing to the Lord. And I just feel like prophetically, this is what the Lord wants to do. It's a jailbreak. It's like you've been bound. You have been, oh, you've been bound. And God's like, as you worship and as you pray, I want to set you free. I want to set you free. You're like, can God really? I'm telling you, with all faith in my heart, He can do it. He is the God who responds. That discouragement, the feelings of just going through life and feeling left behind, like God's blessing everybody else, but you just, you're just a bystander. I'm telling you, God wants to touch you. So can we just stand? I just want to, I just want to pray for us for just a moment. You are the God who answers. You are the God who answers. I just feel that. For those of you in the room, you like maybe stumbled in. He is a God who answers. Know me in my coming and my going. There's no place I can go where your presence is not. Father, in Jesus' name, we prophesy, we prophetically declare for those in the room that have been trapped. It's been, maybe it's even been hidden. Nobody knew. But you've been in this prison in your mind struggling. And you're teetering. You're like at this threshold. I just feel like God's like, it's time for jailbreak. It is time freedom. It would be that the light of God's face would shine. And it would make way for impossible situations. That the chains of depression and discouragement and frustration would fall off of you. Father, I pray for grace right now. In Jesus' name, a grace to respond. Like you like you called me in 2010 before the spiritual family to say, today's a day to step into newness. We ask you for grace to respond. I beg of you, family, do not stay where you are. You are a God who liberates. You are a God of freedom. I just want to impart faith to you. This is our God. He's faithful and true. Check. 
prophetically want to. Can we just lift up our hands? I just, I feel like God wants to blow. I just won't leave me as we're, as we're ministering here. That, that the wind of God would blow on dead things and bring them back to life. Dreams, passions, your spirit even, that God would blow. So can we just ask him, like, let's just open up our mouths and say, Father, we ask you all around this room, would you blow on hearts and minds? God, would you touch us? Would you minister to our hearts, God? God, if you did it in Ezekiel 37, God, could you do it in this room? We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come into our families, into our marriages, into our children. We trust you. We trust you. Don't leave us like this. We're asking you, every single person, we're asking you, don't leave us like this. We don't want to be frustrated and despondent. We want to be tender. This is the promise of the Lord, that he would remove a heart of stone and he would give you a tender and responsive heart. Stop coming.
do is they would put these young boys through tests to see if they were men. And they would do a series of tests. Who could climb the highest and who could stay and do, do various things. And if they passed, they would end on this one last test. And they would take these little boys about 12 years old and they'd put them in the woods. And they say, stay here until the first of light. We'll give you, we'll give you something to fight with. But if you make it back in the morning, then we'll know that you're really a man. So they take these boys, the group of boys, and they put them in the woods. And they're scared at every, every branch that they hear that cracks. They're looking around because they don't know because it's really dark. But they get excited because they start to see a little bit of light. And they know as soon as they see the light, they can go home. They made it through the night. So there's this little boy, he sees the light and he starts walking. He's like, yes, I get to go home now. And he hears this noise behind him and he turns and he looks and it's his dad. His dad's been up in the tree the whole night watching over him, ready to war after him. And I just sense that that's what the father's doing. He's been watching over you the whole night. And you think you've been in the darkness by yourself? You've not been in the darkness by yourself. Your father in heaven has literally been watching you the whole night. He's been there the whole time ready to guard. That's why he prepared a table before, before you in the presence of your enemies. Because he's
conclude, I just want to, let's just respond one more time. Let's just lift our hands. I just want to declare over you, John 10, 10. Father, we pray according to your word here, not according to our thoughts, feelings, or emotions. We pray your words over every life, that you have come to give life and life in abundance. Over every person, we speak life and life in abundance. That there would be overflow and abundant life over every part of their lives. Over their finances, over their children, over their ministries, over their minds. And we push back, we resist the enemy where he would try to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee. So we resist and we receive life. In Jesus' name. That the peace of God would guard your heart. We speak blessings. We speak blessings. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. You restore everything. There's nothing beyond your restoration. We trust your leadership. We thank you for the process that you lead us and you guide us, but you are the good shepherd and you lead us beside green pastures and still waters. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ministry. In Jesus' name. And if God is ministering to you, you can remain where you are. The band will keep going. If not, we love you. We'll see you in prayer. Just please be respectful of those that are receiving from the Lord.